no matter how bad things are today or no matter what I screw up today, there's always tomorrow. And if I use that opportunity each day, I'm going to, I'm not only going to get better, but I'm going to arrive at a spot where I look back and I go, wow, I'm pretty fulfilled. I'm pretty happy. I'm glad I'm here. So it's been a journey. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of it in in the next few minutes of our discussion. Welcome to Revenue Insights. Every week, we'll be joined by revenue leaders from some of the most successful and highest growing companies. Together, we explore how they built their revenue teams, the journeys that they've been on, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Revenue Insights is brought to you by Ebster. We're a revenue intelligence platform designed to help revenue teams to build more pipeline, close more deals, and retain more customers. Hello there, listener. You're listening to Revenue Insights. Today, I'm joined by Dan Waldschmidt. He's the Chief Revenue Officer over at Panzura. Dan, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, really excited to dive into things. Um, even just looking through your LinkedIn, there's so many interesting ways that I think this conversation can go. But for anyone that uh, hasn't met you before or, or, or has heard of you, could you give them a little bit of a, a bit of a background check of your story and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, for all of you who haven't met me, I'm Dan Walchman. I am a, I'm an ultra runner. I'm a uh, chief revenue officer of a um, Silicon Valley cloud company that's disrupting um, the storage space. Inc. 5000 leader now, as of a couple months ago. That's really amazing. Tenth person on the planet to run uh, to complete the Everest Challenge. And a bit of a tech nerd, I would tell you, a bit of a tech nerd. So, um, you know, how did I get here? Wow, that's that's the sixty-four bajillion dollar question. Um, look, I am a person who is always looking to do better tomorrow than I did today. Um, uh, dropped out of college twice, so I, I'm definitely not doing it on brain power, but I am doing it on willpower, I think. Um, and this sense that no matter how bad things are today, or no matter what I screw up today, there's always tomorrow. And if I use that opportunity each day, I'm going to, I'm not only going to get better, but I'm going to arrive at a spot where I look back and I go, wow, I'm pretty fulfilled. I'm pretty happy. I'm glad I'm here. So um, it's been a journey and I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of it in, in the next few minutes of our discussion. But uh, you know, I, I think how I got here is, is sort of a commitment to, to always getting better, which by the way, if you're in the business of sales, is is the only mindset that I've found that helps me weather the storms. Because you know, two years ago in 2020, we had COVID and everything went topsy-turvy. People went home, people got fired, people got laid off. Governments gave us money to sort of patch things along and duct tape along. You know, fast forward two years, and now we have these economic headwinds. You know, China has COVID again, apparently. Uh, you know, and, and people are nervous and Russia's at war. And oh, we you know, don't know what's happening. Trump's running for president again. You know, people are throwing up their hands and sort of uh, and sort of you know bailing water out of the boat, you know, trying to. And the reality is, look, hey, there's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be craziness. If you're in the business of revenue, um, there will always be a headwind against you, always. But it's on us leaders to sort of keep our heads straight and just improve on a daily basis. I think that that actually kind of sets up for a really nice way that we can start to take this because, you know, from, from your experience in your career, you know, looking back to, you know, a period like 2008 when, you know, there was also severe kind of headwinds that sales teams were running running through to, 
having been through that period and knowing what you know now, and I think something that we'll talk a lot around is kind of things that you have learned of, you know, how do we do better every day? You know, having been through a period like that before, what are you taking from that into the kind of the next 12 months ahead? How are you planning for your, your, your teams and, um, and, and your approach, um, to actually prepare for, for what is going to be a lot of unpredictability? Yeah. So lesson number one is don't do stupid shit. Um, so here's what I mean by that. Um, you know, I think it was my mother who said to me, if you can't do something brilliant, don't do something stupid. There's a lot of things we do that are stupid in business. You know, we hire, but don't train. Okay, stop doing that. High, train people, and be, invest in onboarding, invest in knowledge systems. Um, there's a, by the way, if you want to read an amazing book, I think it's Enemy at the Gate, uh, 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 Stephen Prescott, um, and talks about the Spartans and how they would shine their shields and they would teach the young, you know, Spartans uh, how to how to sort of live in the culture. We in sales, we we recruit and we tell people, you know, hey Lee, this is going to be amazing. Come join us. Let's do this. We're going to change the world. We hire you, and then we forget about you. And then six months later, we come and yell at you because you haven't produced revenue. And so, okay, let's not do dumb shit. Hire people, onboard them well, right? Um, pay people what they deserve, right? So that's dumb. It's just it's stupid to like hire someone and then and then underpay them or stiff them on their commission or try to do play all these hijinks. So, okay, without getting into a negative track here, there are a few things we do in revenue that are just unacceptable. And in a moment where there's these economic headwinds or some, there's some fear and doubt and uncertainty in the air, use that moment to just look at like, what are all the things that we're doing that haven't made sense, but we never stopped to clean them up, right? You're growing, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing. And it's like, we'll fix it later. We'll fix it later. We'll fix it later. We're growing. We're, 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 you know, this rocket ship is screaming to the moon. We don't have time to fix up our comp plan. We don't have time to fix up our recruiting plan. Now's the time. You know, now is the moment where you may not be growing as fast and you have moments to dig in on things like training and hiring and all the different things that, you know, will lead to long-term success if you do it right. Are there, um, can you kind of, Dig into you know what some of those kind of uh, what the, some of those common mistakes are. You know what some of the common things that you see. I know that you do. I believe you do some consultancy with with other uh, like sales and revenue leaders, right? So, from your perspective, then, what are the the common things that you see that bubble to the surface uh, more frequently than not? Yeah. So, I th- one of the biggest mistakes we make in sales is we assume that people solve problems, not process. And it's always process that solves problems. Now, don't get me wrong. There are superstars uh, out there. And, and, and certainly everyone listening probably has one, maybe two on their team. But the reality is if you're going to grow successfully, scalably, predictably, then you're going to need an army, right? A small army, medium-sized army, big army. Debate, let's not debate the size, right? Depending upon where you're going and the, and the size of your investment into sales, you're going to need an army. And you can't have an army of, uh, you know, of superstars. You have to have individuals who follow a system and a process. And that process leads them to be more successful than they would on their own, right? And so focusing on that process. Without the process, you're left, um, you know, chasing one superstar to the next. And the challenge with hiring salespeople is, I mean, we've all experienced this, you know, you go to hire someone and it's like, oh, I'm the, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, why? Well, I did this and I did this and I did this and this. And it's like, well, 
why am I hiring you then? Why aren't you, why aren't you the president of Exxon, right? Um, and the reality is hiring sell, sellers, they're sellers, they're salespeople, they're, they're, they're pitching us, right? Um, it's hard. It's hard to get that right. And we often screw it up. The reality is, you know, we just need to do a better job as team members of making sure that our process, the process that guides us is, is, is in tune to what a normal individual in sales would be doing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested to know, you know, in terms of perhaps more anecdotally, you know, in terms of Pan Zero and what you've got planned for next year, what, what does the process look like for, for you guys? What have you kind of built and how are you aligning your sales teams behind it to kind of carry you into... I would assume not only retaining revenue next year, but also starting to grow it. Yes, yeah, so we've grown at um, a, a clip that's just just right about five hundred percent growth over the last uh, twenty months. That's that's a lot. That's a lot, especially when it's millions, right? If you grow from one dollar to five dollars, you know that's that's what's worth. If you go from one million to five million, that's something. If you, if you start doing tens of millions and millions, that's that's something that's commendable. So. The team's incredible already. Um, a couple of things we did this year um, is that we focused on leadership. Again, I'm sort of dog-fooding what I'm telling everybody else. We focused on leadership. So I brought in, I went out and recruited an SVP. And I looked, I, I, I took my time and actually found someone that I not only had the skills and not only had sort of the competencies that I wanted culturally lined up to what I wanted to do, but also someone that um, I felt like... Um, I could work with, right? Someone who was, you know, hands-on, shakes a tree if things aren't going. So, and then he went and, and, and found a whole series of leaders he could work with, right? And so our AVPs are strong. Our senior leadership is strong. Our sellers are strong. Okay. That all being done, took about a year to do. And, and we have maybe 40 or so sellers on our team. Now it's a focus on, on, on targeting specifically our ICP. And I don't want to go too deep into what our ICP is because I'm sure my, my competitors would love to sort of try to get up inside my head. But the reality is really digging deep on who we sell to and the specific choreography. And here's what I mean, Lee, if, if we double click into this for a quick second. It, remember a few years ago, what was that, what was that play um, where they rapped, they rapped about uh, the president's Remember um, Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. Uh, so Hamilton was unique, right? Um, it, you know, the story about, you know, Alexander Hamilton. Um, they wrapped, sort of wrapped the music and it was just, it was just, it was sort of a neat phenomenon. It wasn't just the music. It wasn't just the talk track. It was, it was the music. It was the sound. It was the lighting. It was the costumes. It was sort of the ticketing. It was the whole theater itself. And often we forget in sales that it's not just about, oh, here's your outbound email, send that. Or it's not just, here's not just, here's, here's medic. And here's what we're doing with medic. It's, it's about the entire thing. Not just the entire thing inside sales, but the entire thing across the entire company. But how somebody answers the phone, you know, what our website looks and feels like. All of these different pieces um, lead us to, to outcomes that are either successful we're like, great, that's exactly what I wanted. Or it's not as successful as we want and we need to work on improving that. And so intending into 2023, we're going to focus on growth, but we're going to fo- focus on smart growth, which means we're, we're spending more time instead of just 
blasting, you know, this sort of, you know, shotgun. Uh, we're going to, we're going to spend, and, and, and I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll say this. Our, our leadership has done a really good job of narrowing the blast. And now we're going to get sniper rage. So instead of, you know, 12 gauge, <laughs> now we're down to, um, you know, less than that. And then we're going to go down to sniper shot, um, heading into 23. And so that's exciting. That's exciting because now it means we, we think we can truly, win in a head-to-head battle against our competitors in their in, in sort of the most desirable accounts. Yeah, and I, I really love that idea of getting smart about it and actually taking the slice that most realistically is actually going to help you to to be able to grow. Um, and yeah. I, I wonder, a, a really interesting number there in terms of like the growth numbers that you've seen, you know, 500% up, which is which is great, right? And particularly going into, I think we've seen certainly from customers that we work with a lot of unpredictability from last year where it kind of just started pretty good coming off the back of COVID and then kind of reality has kind of been setting in going into the latter half of the year. And so what what have you find as part of that, you know, what perhaps have been some of the tactics, techniques, processes, you know, you mentioned medic there, you mentioned ICP, has there been something that um, you've implemented this year that has been, you yeah. know, to you, yes. maybe the first time you've done it, that, wow, that really helped to ha- us to hit that number? Yeah, so let me let me tell you, uh, a January, well, this time last year, I was stressed out about the fact, I didn't feel like we had a good story. So it's, fu- it's, it's, it's not funny. I guess the word's ironic or, you know, annoying or it's not funny, but it's funny how not, we're sellers. I mean, we often have a horrible story. Like the story that we tell, the narrative that we tell is lackluster, right? And it's just uninspiring. It doesn't seem to have all the components in it sometimes. That's where we were a year ago. We were. And so I hired an agency and spent a lot of money, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month. And then I hired a second agency to help us with some other things and paid them twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a month. So I invested in this. Invested wasn't free, so you have to, you know, uh, often in, invest in a company who could help you do these things. But we worked with two different agencies, and we came away with a first call deck that was just like lights out, amazing, like just amazing. And um, what's cool about it is we went from talking speeds and feeds and technology to be like talking about cloud and how the fact that we're the cloud OGs, right? And here's why, and here's our 40 patents, and bop, 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 sort of hitting people with unexpected lingo, talk track, in a way that gets people thinking, okay, not only do these guys have like whiz-bang technology, but they seem to be like, and not that we need to be cool, but they seem like cool people, like people we want to talk to, people we want to hang with, right? It's just like, it feels like this is a company that I could actually partner with, which if you're spending millions of dollars, that's something you, you probably want to do is do you, are you working with a vendor that you could actually tolerate? Um, so, so getting that first call deck was an iterative process. It took us a bunch of time. We got that locked in and then, and then we said, everybody in the company, not just in sales, everybody in the company has to learn. It. And once we did that, we then said, we're going to have a competition. And if whoever wins gets $5,000. And and so we had people pitch. The people pitch, and then once they pitched, we gave out we gave out money uh, to to the people who who ended up you know winning. And 
uh, and, and it was, I think we actually gave out a second and third prize too, because they were so good. Some of the top ones were so good. People learned it and embraced it. And guess what? Now everybody knows what we do as a company. I, I really love that. Um, uh, storytelling is very close to my heart, I'd say, you know, coming at it from, from a, from a marketer's lens, you know, and it's something that in particular, you know, the episode we've been working on a lot, you know, for us, it's, we've got three, you know, fairly distinct products. And, you know, when you've got 15 minutes, you know, tops to try and explain to someone what we do, it's like, okay, how does that, how does that all connect together? And, and it was only through storytelling, much like you kind of described there, which actually helped to put it into, into perspective, right? And I think what has been interesting from my side, you know, to the, the point that I want to pick up on there, where you've kind of, I wonder how, um, how you got the adoption of that. So often it's, you know, kind of senior leadership in, in the white ivory tower per se. And it's, here you go, guys. This is what I need you to be doing. And, you know, to, to reps on the front line, you know what it can be like. It's, well, I've, I've, I've been doing absolutely fine. I've been hitting my quota. You know, do, do I, why do I need this? So from, and, you know, perhaps to that specific example or even to like maybe a bit more broader examples, how are you getting your, your sales teams on the front ground to actually adopt a lot of the initiatives that you're pushing forward with? So uh, I think one, we just say that it's got to be done. Right. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to be overly simplistic, but it's just mandated. It's non-negotiable. But behind the non-negotiable language, which can be often strident, is people want to know purpose. What's the purpose of this? Why? Who cares? You know, I'm doing my job, and now you're telling me I got to do a second job or or something else on top of that. Why? So you have to you have to walk them through that. You have to say, listen, um, we all know this thing called first impressions. Right? We know first impressions. We know that first impressions matter. You make judgments based on your first impression of people. Now, can people unwork those? Yes. But listen to what we said. Can you unwork those? It requires extra work to sort of reset someone's expectations of you. So let's imagine. Let's imagine a world where the first perception of us is the best perception, right? It's the right perception. And so that's where... Um, you know, that's where the FCD first call deck for us is going to solve things. We're going to tell a story that people go, oh, wow, that's, that is exactly who I want to work with. And that is their thought process from the beginning all the way through the end of this journey. So again, it's narrative. Again, it goes back to what you, 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 you asked about earlier. It's you have a story that you're telling and part of the story is done internally. It's about why this matters. This matters because if we don't do this now, in this moment, with the right level of purpose and intensity, we're going to do it 50 times after this. And it's never going to be quite as good as if we did it right the very, very first time. So let's get right at that first time and save ourselves 50 other times of trying to fix it. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, Dan, something that I wanted to touch on with you, you, you kind of said it, mentioned it at the top of the show, you know, you're you're an an ultra runner, which is uh, you know obscene level distances. Um, and I'm, what I'm interested to kind of move this in uh, in the direction of is for, uh, for for a sport such as that is so much of it is around resilience and you know really uh, being at, in the top kind of what what one percent of runners really to be able to be covering such distances. 
in using that as an example, and I think we can go into that a bit more as we talk, um, to put that in a sales perspective, how how valuable have you found that as a kind of endeavor and activity? And what have you learned from ultra running that you actually carry into your day-to-day, into your work, into the job that you do? So running from a physiological level, let's not even talk like hypotheticals or like parallels or things like that. You know, parables. What's the parable of the runner to the parable of the seller? Look, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a just a re- very real level, there is something about intense exercise that salves the soul, right? It heals you. It heals your mind. Um, for those of you who have your favorite sport, I've got friends who are doing um, uh, all kinds of different things, from cycling to CrossFit. And it, it just, it, it, it makes you better. I mean, there's, sales is the most neurotic sport in the world. Think about it. What other job says, hey, Lee, I'd love to hire you. And you say, yes, I'd love to be hired. And then I go and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pay you $100 a year. And of that, I'm going to pay you 50 right now. And the other 50 might or might not get paid to you based on your performance, right? And I'm also going to tell you what your performance should be, which will tell you after we're hired, right? I'm going to give you your quota and your numbers and your percentages and all that stuff after you're hired. And, uh, you know, that's where the rest of your money comes from. There's no other job like that on the planet, Lee. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, besides being the owner of the company yourself directly, there's just no other sort of position to be in that's like that. So it is, it's tough mentally. You're in a headspace where like, you know, you have to show up every day and earn your stripes. You do. So running lets you, for me, take a moment and just take that rage, take the frustration, take the feelings of inadequacy or self-doubt and just pummel it through, you know, hitting the pavement, you know, for eight miles or 10 miles a day uh, to just be renewed, right? So that, that's, that, you know, Lee, I, I think for me, it's less about, well, you know, resilient as a runner, resilient as a seller, you know, you know, it, I think it's more about using that as a, as a, as a tool, to just be a better Dan. And a better Dan is automatically going to be a better seller. I love the word that you use there as a, as a, as a tool. And I was kind of noting down, like, you know, almost as a tool to be used. I'm, I'm interested to know from your perspective, you know, when you look at, and perhaps in teams that you've managed and that you've, that you've, le- that you've led, what perhaps are the three, are three key things that differentiate a, uh, a high-performing team, you know, that's consistently hitting and beating their quota number and those low performers who, you know, are falling a little bit short. But what are those common threads that you see that really differentiate the best from the best? Three things, focus, mission, details. So let's talk about each three really quick. Focus, mission, details, focus. You you can't do everything. You've got to focus on what matters. Uh, The High-performing teams know what matters and they focus on it maniacally, maniacally. They don't do 10 things, they do two things. They do those two things with all the effort of that small company running around doing 10 things half-ass, right? They do two things really, 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 really well, okay? So that's one thing is is focus, focus. Number two, mission. They're not selling something. They're They're on a holy war, right? They're on a mission. Um, and, and there's, 
you know, the person who's selling you something, you know, is kind of, you know, you're, you're pivoting, you're sort of all over the place. And a mission-driven person, like, man, you can't, you're like a dog with a bone. Like, you cannot, you cannot stop them from getting what they need, where they want to go. It's a mission. It's a mission, right? And then um, number, number three is details. Okay. I hear often, and it's been a minute since I've been in consulting, right? Because I bought Panzura back in 2020. And so I've been heads down with this one company, but would often show up and talk to people and they'd say, you know, hey, hey, Dan, I'm doing that. No, I'm doing what you just told me to do. I'm doing. And I would say, no, you're doing something that may look or sound similar, but you're not doing what I asked you to do, right? You're, you're sending an email. I'm saying send this email in this way at this time to this person. And you're saying, well, I'm already doing it. No, no, you're sending an email. And the details, the turn of the phrase, the color, the shape, the variety, this sort of artistry is what makes great teams significantly better than anyone else in their, in their industry or their space, right? I, I love that point on, on artistry. And uh, uh, this is an interesting way that we can take it because I know at the top of the show, you mentioned, you know, being a huge advocate of technology. And I've always found, certainly with sales, that you get this blend of it being an art and then also it, of it being uh, of being a science as well, right? Um, and so what's your perspective? Do you see uh, sales more as an art and, you know, the art, art of the cold call, you know, art of writing that, that email, right? You know, building a relationship with someone. Or do you see it these days as becoming more scientific? You know, what we can do with different tools to analyze that that first call, you know, analyze that email, um, you know, using data, obviously, which, you know, with revenue operations is becoming more and more prevalent. So I'm interested to know from your perspective, do you think it's a balance of the two or do you think it leads one way or the other? I mean, at the risk of being the boring white guy who slices the toast right down the middle, you know, I think there are pieces of, there are pieces of this that are definitely science. There are de- definitely. Um, like how many deals did you, Number of deals created. That's a that's a science thing. That's a data point, right? It's something you should know, have to know, and it it it, it, it definitely leads to your outcomes, successful or otherwise. Um, uh, artistry is okay. Well, how did you create those, and from what sources, and what sources are better than others, right? There's a blending of these things where, yeah, there the scientific part is like the must have, must know, must be, must do, and then there's another side to this. There's like well, what if we were to tweak it? Maybe we're getting good results already. We want better results. What would we tweak and what would we do and how would that look like? That's where artistry comes in for this. There, there's, if you're in a new industry or you're venturing boldly in a new direction, a lot of what you're going to do is artistry. It, it, it just is. But you very quickly need to find the pathway to segue from uh, from 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 artistry into science. And so that a significant portion of this, 90, 95% of this should be science. And the last five to 10 points uh, of that uh, sort of daily effort should be artistry. Why? Why? Artistry requires a lot of, of bandwidth, a lot of things. The best artists, it takes time. Best artists, sort of from your soul, it, it, it sort of bubbles out, Right. Um, it requires a lot of emotional intelligence. It requires a lot of available brain power, thinking time. If you're a seller, you don't have a lot of time to think uh, like that, right? You're 
boom, boom, boom. You're mission driven. Again, going back to that focus, mission and details, right? So, so it, there can't be a lot of art in this because uh, if, if, if it's a requirement, you're probably going to fail, right? Um, and it's also not scalable. So I, that, that's sort of my current thought process on science and artistry from my perspective. It's changed. It's changed in the last couple of years already, my thought process on this. But, but it, it, it just, looking at this current company and the companies we, we have supported in the past, look, you need a process. And I wonder then, you know, it's ed- ed- evidently edging more in the, you know, needing that scientific part of it, needing that data to be able to, you know, make better decisions ultimately at the top of the tree. So I wonder in uh, in your world, when when you look at, you know, uh, supplementing the artistry of your team, shall we say, um, what what tools in the in the tech, tech stack do you find uh, essential in enabling them and uh, ultimately to elevate them and actually deliver more results? So we're, we're um, you, you obviously need a CRM. We use HubSpot. We use HubSpot for everything, for marketing, for sales, for service, for tickets. We use it for operations. We use HubSpot everywhere. You need some sort of tool to stay organized around that, around it. Whether it's something that's free, it's a plug-in to Google Apps, or whether you use, uh, you know, uh, all, all the way up to like Salesforce.com, right, or, or, or something like that. It doesn't matter. You need a platform like that. You know, um, I think the, uh, there are a bunch of tools that do intelligence. Databook is one. TryDatabook.com. There's Sixth Sense. Um, there, there's a few. Uh, there's Demand Base. I think in today's world, if you don't have access to a platform that, that takes all of this, what's happening in the industry, and distill it down into some talking points for you, uh, you're already running behind what your competitors are doing. Those are sort of two categories I see as like must-haves. I love that. Uh, Dan, I'm interested to know, um, in the here and now, you know, go. we're, we're speaking, you know, literally the week before Christmas of 2022 at this point. Yeah. Um, I wonder what what is one of the biggest challenges that you're trying to solve right now. What what are you what are you what you know keeps you awake at night that you're trying to get to the bottom of you know particularly heading into next year? Yeah, so it's a personal challenge. It's my ability to communicate risk and progress to the rest of the organization. Because if we're a software company, I need to be able to pr- pr- um, communicate risk of lack of features or risk of blocking. Um, inside uh, the application. I need to communicate that in a way that someone says, oh, I need to fix that. And I need to fix it now, right? And that across our different departments, whether it be finance and working with finance on specific sort of budgeting, whether it's um, engineering or services, communicating is key. And I'm often so busy and so stressed that if, if I do have a conversation, it's like, you know, you know, I'm shaking someone about the throat rather than like calmly, quietly, logically walking them through the, 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 the problem in front of us. So that's, I think that's the current challenge that I have. How are you, out of interest, can you perhaps shed a light on how exactly you're trying, trying to solve that at the minute? And uh, I, yeah. I guess, I guess more specifically, you know, by the sounds of it, how you're working on improving your communication skills to be able to get the message across to your different departments. Yep. So anytime I have a major objective like this, I normally go get help. So I'll normally either find a training program that I can deploy and use those skills or hire a coach. 
mean, I could figure it out on my own by trial and error. But when you have something like this, it's urgent. You know, it feels like you shouldn't, you shouldn't sort of take this cavalierly, right? So, for example, if you had a, you know, um, uh, sort of a heart murmur, not a heart attack, but a heart murmur, you probably, you know, wouldn't just say, well, I'm, uh, it's okay, it'll work itself out. You'd probably get a little help, get some advice, get some people looking under the hood, right? See what's going on. Um, and then you would know exactly how to proceed, how to stay healthy so it doesn't get worse, right? Uh, same thing here. It's like, it's not working right. Why don't I get help? And that's going to start with some sort of coach or some sort of training platform or something like that. The other thing is, so what causes poor communication? Well, me blowing up at people. Well, why am I blowing up at people? Well, I'm stressed. Okay, let's go. Let's play this game again. Well, why are you stressed? Well, you're stressed because you're not sleeping. Why are you not sleeping? Well, because you're stressed. Well, we could keep doing that game all day long. But the reality is, Thing, uh, there's a quote Vince Lombardi said uh, years ago. He said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. In other words, you're not sleeping enough. You're just not, you're, you're not making good decisions. So, okay, well, what if my communication were, were directly linked in some way to my, to my sleep? So maybe my real goal is, hey, I'm going to go sleep. I'm going to make sure I get at least five hours of sleep a night, right? And then what if I said, wait a minute, it's not just sleep, but it's running. And running helps me clear out some of my frustration. So now I'm clear-eyed from, from sleeping. And now I'm frustration-free or less frustrated uh, from running. And now step three is now let me go communicate, right? So that's how I'm thinking about solving for this challenge, right? Is get some external help, but then internally, you know, be the, be a much better version of myself right away. Mm, I love that. As, as we kind of move to to wrap up our conversation today, I, I did want to touch on you, you mentioned it at the at the top of the show, um, running Everest. I, I'd love to understand a little bit more, um, what, one what it is, but also kind of your motivation behind it. I feel like you've kind of alluded to it a little bit, like through our conversation, where you know that is a, a, a running is almost an outlet. Uh, I sense for you, and so would love to just get a bit more kind of context on on that and and why it's so valuable for you. Yeah, so for me, um, yeah, running's always been uh, a, a, you know emotionally a a an accelerant, right? Helps me mentally, spiritually, and and, uh, and physically as well. Uh, the, the Run Everest Challenge was one I saw, I heard about it. I thought, what? Why? Why can't I do that? Why wouldn't I want to go do that? And so. Um, I said about putting a few things in place. I didn't really do a lot of training because I'm always training, but but I, I put in place a little bit more uphill work. It's 29,000 feet of uphill elevation, of course, on Everest. Um, and so, um, you know, you find a hill, could be no downhill, you no time, you can't rest, you can't sleep, and uh, you basically have to run 29,000 feet straight up in the area. And if you do that, um, and you're, you know, there's a lot of governance around it, um, then you get rewarded with this you know, Eversting uh, trophy. And so, yeah, we, we just set out one weekend and, and plugged in. And I think it was like 25 hours later, we had finished, we had finished the whole boondoggle. So um, why, why though? Why? What's the mindset behind it? it it's, it, you know, I said this before, why not, right? Just sort of pushing on who I am. 
why not do it, right? Why, to, to sort of prove that we can, and not in sort of a thump your chest sort of way, but a thump your brain sort of way, a inside your own head, know that, you know, despite, you know, whatever is going on in the world around you, that you've got this, right? You've got this. It's going to be okay. You are going to crush it. Life is going to be amazing. I love that. Um, Dan, last question. And uh, I caveated this yesterday because um, uh, what's so interesting coming into into these conversations is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do a bit of Googling around people. And, uh, and that's when I came across, firstly, your kind of um, uh, the Everesting challenge. Uh, and it was like, okay, well, this is going to be a great one to go down. The second was that you've written a book in the past. Now, we, we chatted about this kind of pre-show. And you were like, no, no, I won't, I won't recommend my own book, which I love. Um, but if there's one book that you'd recommend to other revenue leaders, and perhaps to be more specific, let's say other chief revenue officers, uh, you know, in a so, similar role as you, um, what, which book would you recommend to them? Yeah, it would be coming, it would be becoming supernatural, um, with, uh, by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, um, Joe Dispenza is a PhD. Actually, he's a, board certified neuroscientist that talks about how the brain works and how the brain sort of guides uh, what you do. And I got to tell you, it changed my life. There's not many people that um, I consistently go to and it's always better, right? It's like sometimes you meet someone and like, you're like, wow, that was a great meeting. And you realize the second time you go back, oh, you got all their juice. Like everything they know was in that meeting and now there's nothing left. There's a guy that every time I'm engaged with or talk, are part of sort of a group discussion. It's just just a wise, inspiring person. So Becoming Supernatural, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mind-blowing. We'll, we'll, we'll pop a link to it down below and uh, I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll give it a read and let you know. Um, Dan, it's been absolutely fantastic to, to have you on and to pick your brain for a little bit. Um, for, for those listening at home, if they want to connect, reach out, learn a little bit more about what you're doing. Um, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, I mean, you could find me on LinkedIn. You know, it's just, if you do danwaltzman.com, I think it forwards to my uh, LinkedIn account. But yeah, I'm on LinkedIn right now and uh, look forward to uh, to getting your message. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll pop a link to that down below. Uh, well, once again, Dan, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic conversation. Um, and to everyone that's listened to the episode this week, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Revenue Insights. If you want to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and we'll deliver every episode straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Our links will be in the episode notes. See you next week.